that the country of Argentina alone owes $42 billion to the International Monetary Fund, this is a crippling burden that many countries around the world face. With such a massive debt, countries can't fund important things like healthcare and education. They're forced to extract fossil fuels. And when they're faced with extreme climate disasters, they struggle to recover under the burden of the debt. The U.S. and Europe caused these problems, so our governments owe the rest of the world to fix it. Our governments must cancel the debt. I'm your host, Reb Spring, and this is Climate Colonialism. And we have found a way that we can connect the workers with the climate and social movements of the world. It's up to us to lead the transition, the IMF and the World Bank. They are keeping our countries in the global south in so much debt that we are forced to keep expanding the fossil fuel industry just to keep up paying the interest on the loans. I'm here with Esteban Servat of the Debt for Climate movement. Could you introduce yourself a little bit and tell about your history as an activist? Sure, yeah. I'm from Argentina. I'm a scientist. I, I was born in Buenos Aires. And um, I, I went to study and work in the US for 10 years of my life. I was working as a scientist in the Silicon Valley in California. Then I went back home. I was not an activist, um, but I wanted to do something um, and I didn't know what to do. Uh, we started creating an eco village. We were building an eco village in rural Argentina, trying to do something at a small level, small scale and local to develop, you know, eco housing and sustainable energy and so on and permaculture. So um, we were doing that quite, quite peacefully until fracking came. And we were sitting on top of the world's second largest shale gas basin and fourth largest shale oil basin called Vaca Muerta. It's a huge climate bomb, carbon bomb, um, and it's been exploited by a lot of um, multinationals from the US and from Europe, from the global north that are really destroying our land with fracking. So when fracking arrived, um, I understood that everything was under threat, not only our little project, but the entire region. And so that's when I became an activist. We had to fight the government, had to fight the companies. So um, we created a platform called EcoLeaks uh, with some friends to mimic, you know, inspired by WikiLeaks. Um, because a whistleblower reached out to us to tell us that there was an environmental impact study about the first wells of fracking in Mendoza provinces where I was, uh, and that the report was already showing uh, contamination of the underground water tables by the first wells of fracking. The government was hiding this report and planning to replace the results with fake numbers, according to the whistleblower, um, that were going to be obtained in a lab, in a university lab, where the vice dean was at the same time a representative of a fracking company whose water samples were being analyzed. This is very common in, in Latin America and the global south. Corruption is like conflicts of interest are everywhere. But that's why we were able to get a copy of this report and understanding that it was urgent to publish it. We created EcoLeaks as a platform 
with a very simple website and a Facebook page, because everyone uses Facebook there, it really helped to fuel uh, a mass rebellion of tens of thousands of people mobilizing on the streets when they found out that their water was uh, at risk. Mendoza is a very special place with a very strong awareness for the defense of the water. It's a desert area. As a wine, it's a famous wine region. You may have seen some of the uh, Malbecs from Mendoza. They're exported to the US, to Europe, and so on. So people have a strong awareness about defending the water. The very reason I settled there is that they are one of the few places of Argentina that actually was able to stop mega mining. In 2007, they mobilized massively on the roads, blocking the roads and really paralyzing the whole province. And so that's why I wanted to be in a place where people were um, environmentally aware. And I just didn't expect that I would find myself in the middle of, a, of the new wave of um, environmental fight, which came in 2018 when we published this report on in March um, about fracking. So then my life became hell. Um, we, we were making some huge demonstrations, tens of thousands of people blocking the roads, really uh, unprecedented mobilization, but also unprecedented um, persecution and repression. Mm. So some comrades were put in jail. In my case, they did a lot of political operations against me and death threats against me and my family. Mm. They used the justice system as a weapon to persecute activists. And I have the honor of having the highest number of criminal cases than anyone in Argentina for fighting fracking. Anything from violence to drug dealing to public intimidation is one of the most absurd ones I have um, as charges. And in 2019, after we were able to uh, turn around some of these cases and they became against the government on an election year, uh, that's when the death threats against my family and my girlfriend intensified mm -hmm. and the movement was already getting weaker by the persecution, the threats and so on. So with my girlfriend and I, we decided to come to Germany from where I have continued that work against fracking and building solidarity with uh, Global South groups like with it, the Global Coastline Rebellion, you know, in, in February of last year and, and now therefore climate, just trying to help connect them the dots between extraction and consumption sides and solidarity between the grassroots groups in, in the global south and the global north. So that's basically kind of in a nutshell uh, where I come from and where I am at now. Yeah, that sounds really insane. And yeah, it's crazy that they put so many um, threats against you. So I know like the IMF has been um, imposing multiple debts upon Argentina. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Like in 2000, uh, around 2000, there was a massive debt. Um, and then more recently, like the past few years. Yeah. So debt is, you know, is a prime form of colonialism. And Argentina is a prime example of that, of how it works. Um, in 2001, we had a major financial crisis that was the result of the austerity policies of the IMF, uh, with which we were deeply indebted, and society exploded. There was a social collapse, a social rebellion, and I was part of that. I was I was your age, around your age. I was seventeen or so in two thousand and one, and I was there in downtown Buenos Aires when we ousted the president. There was more than I don't know more than a million people mobilizing and all over the country as well until the president had to flee on a helicopter. 
And with him, um, and the kind of we kind of ousted him and the IMF uh, austerity policies, which led to the government's defaulting on the IMF loan and so on, and uh, forcing restructuring of that debt. And unfortunately, back then, 20 years ago, we were an example to the world about rebelling against austerity. And now, 20 years later, we are once again in the grips of the IMF uh, with the biggest loan in its history worldwide, which was awarded to help right-wing President Macri win the re-election a few years ago. And this was done to totally unconstitutionally and illegitimately with the pressure from Trump to help his right-wing ally Macri. Um, the IMF violated its own statute and gave $44 billion to Argentina which was completely um, funneled out of the country immediately, right away. So it doesn't ever benefit the, the people. It's always being used by the elites and the financial powers. So now we have the biggest debt in our history, the biggest debt in the world to the IMF. And our country has 50% poverty, huge levels of unemployment, and a very tense social situation that is all the result of this colonial, financial colonialism that we are once again in. And unfortunately, the political leadership, even though happily uh, Macri lost the re-election and a so-called progressive government won instead, even this progressive government is in bed with the IMF or they don't have the courage to stand up to question the IMF or to have an audit on the debt. Instead of doing that, they actually legitimized this debt by approving it in Congress, by sending it to Congress for approval because they because they wanted to borrow more money. So they legitimized the old debt as part of a deal with the IMF to be able to borrow more money so they can pay the interest of the old debt. Welcome to my country. <laughs> so that's the situation right now. It's really bad. Wow. Yeah. So um, earlier you talked about fracking. So how is the IMF, how has that caused like the fracking and the other environmental issues? Yeah, that's the key point, right? That's the key point why we built that for climate, what we're doing this, because extractivism and debt go hand in hand. And what many people don't know, obviously many people know that debt, trap diplomacy is the new form of colonialism over the past century. Um, but the way it works is that it keeps forcing the global South countries to extract more and more resources to send to the global North to feed the consumption cycles of Europe and so on, um, so that they can pay their debt or just the interest on their debt. So Argentina, is no exception and actually it's a great example because this huge debt is being paid or the interest of it are being paid by sacrificing the countryside to fracking, mega mining, deforestation, monocultures and Monsanto, glyphosate roundup and all of that shit, offshore drilling. You know, Argentina is a very vast country. It's a huge country with a lot of natural resources and uh, oil and you know, Vaca Morta alone is, is, you know, the, the next Saudi Arabia of oil and gas from fracking is there. So it's no coincidence that the U.S. is even building a military base in the heart of Vaca Morta to, to secure those resources for, for to have access in the future when they need them. So it's a really major geopolitical, geoeconomic important uh, location. And all of this is totally connected to the debt. It's been... Um, 
when the IMF awarded this money to Argentina, it was with the understanding that it would be paid by extracting more oil, gas, and mining and fracking. So um, nothing that is happening is, is by coincidence. And extractivism and the climate crisis are totally connected to the debt trap diplomacy. What do you see as the goal of the, the debt for climate movement? And how do you see as the pathway to get there? We think that only once we can talk to the working class and incorporate the workers' unions into the climate fight will we really have a chance at winning. Only when we can we can do that. And obviously the working class and, and the climate movements until now have not been so connected. And in some cases they're getting antagonized like here in Europe, which is very dangerous. So what we saw is that we need to find common denominators that can speak to the workers as much as they can speak to climate activists or indigenous movements or, or, uh, or feminist movements. It's difficult to find common denominators that can bring such diverse groups together. And that is a formidable vehicle for that because that is, a, is something that we can explain to the climate movements in the global north like we are doing and they get it right that debt is connected to the climate crisis and we must cancel the debt of the global south to enable a just transition but also it speaks to the labor unions because the labor unions in the global south really understand that they are getting screwed because all of that money that the countries are bleeding out to send to the coffers of the us and the imf is, uh, is money that is being extracted from them, from their dignity, from their quality of life, through inflation, is eating away their capacity, their purchasing power, their salaries, and their rights, their, their social rights, their labor rights, because the austerity policies of the IMF usually are all about, you know, um, uh, liberalizing, uh, you know, flexibilizing the, the labor laws and so on, always against the working class. So it's something that the working uh, the movements really understand. And that's why we've been able to incorporate some of the biggest workers unions in Argentina with thousands of workers into this fight to cancel the debt of the Global South. And also from the understanding that all the institutions that are leading the climate debate right now, COP, you know, the IPCC, all of these things are um, put there by the same governments that are part of the problem the same governments that are not really giving us any true solutions, the same COP that is sponsored by Coca-Cola and the year before by uh, National Grid in, in Glasgow, which is a major fracking company sponsoring, sponsoring COP, um, that the solutions have to come from a different place. The solutions have, have to come from civil society and from a civil society that is organizes itself into a movement. And from that, it has to be a working class led transition, a, a, a transition that takes into account the needs of the of the societies of, the, of most affected countries and not one dictated by Europe or the US or the IMF. So because of all of those things, we, we saw that debt is a great vehicle for us to build a movement around. That's how Debt for Climate came to be. And that canceling the debt of the Global South would enable us to afford a just transition that could immediately have an effect of leaving trillions of dollars of fossil fuels in the ground. 
but it has to be self-determined. It has to be sovereign by every country, each country in the global south. And it has to be led by the working class with the climate movements, the indigenous movements and, and the feminist movements all working together. Um, but the ones that have the most power always is the working class that is organized, that is unionized. You know how afraid the US is of unions. You know, you had this railroad strikes recently and, and Biden passed the law, right, to, to force them to accept the conditions, right? Um, because unions are very powerful. The, the power of the working class is in that, in, their, in that they are unionized. So from that unity, we can build enough power to paralyze the society by striking when it really hurts and really have the power to force the government to the table to negotiate and to cancel the debt or to create a, a united front against debt from the global south, which is the next step, which is what Thomas Sankara was calling for from Burkina Faso and for which he was murdered uh, 35 years ago. So all of those reasons are, are leading us to to do what we are doing, to try to build power for, from the bottom up and really force the conditions to have debt cancellation as an immediate step to achieve large-scale climate action. Thank you so much, Esteban Servat, and thank you to everybody listening. You can check out debtforclimate.org and at debtforclimate on Instagram and Twitter to learn more and follow this amazing movement.